Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. First thing I want you to write tonight, I don't have a lot of things, but some of them are very key. The first one is this. To please God, we must live by faith. David, you're going to see tonight, isn't pleasing God. And remember, faith is exactly the opposite of fear. Faith is the confidence that what God said will happen. Well, what has God said about David? He will be the king. You find it hard to remember God's promises when you're under pressure or having a crisis? You're not alone. David did too. God had sent Samuel to anoint him as the next king, but as David was trying to evade Saul, he didn't calm himself with the knowledge that he'd have to be alive to be the next king. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need to look first to God when things hit the fan. That way you can find a reason to be calm besides empty hope. Remember, being reminded that God has your life in His hands helps to keep the blood pressure down and the hope tank filled. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 20 as he continues in this series called The Life of David. You can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20. We're studying the life of David. Well, we've been learning that even though David has been appointed king, it'll be many years before that position really opens up. And of course, King Saul is still there. The difficulty with King Saul is that the spirit has been removed from King Saul, was really put on David. And ever since that time in Goliath being killed, King David is kind of waiting. He's just David. But King Saul is angry. He's jealous. And he's been trying over and over again to kill David. But in in fact, if you remember just a little history, there's at least three times that he's thrown a spear at David to try to kill him. And when we left off a few weeks ago, he had sent three groups of soldiers to capture him. Then finally Saul went there. God took care of that in a unique way as we learn. And so every single plan of Saul's has been thwarted. But we begin with David on the run. He's kind of this fugitive. So we begin in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan, remember King Saul's son, they were close friends, and asked, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father? 
that he is trying to take my life. Now, we see this response from Jonathan, and I'll mention it to you again. It, it almost seems like Jonathan is so close to the situation, he's a little naive. Never, Jonathan replied, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's simply not so. But David took an oath and said, look, your father knows very well that I found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself that Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only one step between me and death. So here's David. He realizes really what the situation is like. Now, seemingly he's forgotten that every one of these attempts by Saul has failed because God's going to protect him. And he's really, notice in verse 1, he, he fled. He's on the run. He's running in fear. And fear is beginning, you'll see later, it really affects his whole life, his whole thinking process. Whatever we think, we become. First thing I want you to write tonight, I don't have a lot of things, but some of them are very key. The first one is this, to please God, we must live by faith. David, you're going to see tonight, isn't pleasing God. And remember, faith is exactly the opposite of fear. Faith is the confidence that what God said will happen. Well, what has God said about David? He will be the king. What happened that night that the disciples went out on the boat? Jesus said, go out on the boat, I'll see you on the other side. Well, the storm came, they thought they were going through, but what did Jesus said? I'll see you on the other side. And there's a day coming, John chapter 14, Jesus says, what are you fearful of? I'm going to leave you, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back for you. So that's faith. doesn't really matter what's happening now, that's all just part of life. And so here's David, and he really at some point eventually will stop running in fear and remember God's promised him that he will be the next king. We please God when we walk by faith. And I just want to say this quickly. Um, You're going to see David running from situations. Now, it's okay to run from a situation when God says to run, but normally I've watched this in my life because I've experienced it. When I'm running from something in my life, nothing good ever happens. You can't run from your troubles. Number one, you go with you. And if I'm a person that's struggling in an area, I just take me with me. And then when you, it doesn't matter, you run someplace else, the people are going to be people there just like they're people here. Business is the same, all of that stuff. You just can't run. And you have to stay Steady. You have to be a person of faith. Now, notice the last step that David says. There's only one step between me and death. That's very true. That's true for every single person in this room tonight. There's only one step between us being alive here and death. But here's the thing that you need to respond to. God's responsible for that step. So relax. It's okay. One step, boom, we're gone. Somebody would do our funeral. And then, while they're doing the funeral, we're in heaven having a hallelujah time. So, just relax. It's going to be okay. Verse 4. 
Jonathan, hearing this, may be bringing him back to a realization that he's been a little naive. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, all right, look, here's my plan. Tomorrow is the new moon festival, and I'm supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. So basically, Jonathan goes, okay, David, I'll help you any way you want. And David says, okay, here's a test. And you'll be able to tell, and then you'll be able to tell me honestly, what are Saul's real true feelings? Has there been any real change in him? Now, it was customary for every Jewish family to hold a feast at the new moon, and Saul would expect David to really be there. Now, look at the rest of David's plan, verse 6. If your father misses me at all, in other words, if he notices I'm not in the chair, tell him, David, earnestly ask my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being there, made there for his whole clan or his whole family. So what is the first problem we see? David's plan involves Jonathan lying. So we're going to be seeing that a number of times tonight. And as we go through this, here's one of the things you're going to think to yourself as I go through this. Where is the David that's after God's own heart? Where is the guy? This doesn't look like David at all. So don't be too critical because sometimes where is the balmer that I know? Put your own name in there. And we're going to see a David with feet of clay, human, just like you and me. Now, God's not going to overlook it, but God's going to be graceful. So David's plan includes Jonathan having to lie. By the way, God didn't put this in there like, it's okay to lie in this situation. No, he just put it in there because that's what happened. He doesn't approve of There's lots of things in the Bible that God doesn't approve of. They just happen. It's just the way it was. When Peter turned around and said to Jesus, you're not going to the cross, what's wrong with you? Well, God didn't approve of that statement, but it's in there because Peter made it. Now, verse 7. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. I'm safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he's determined to harm me. And as for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Look at the response in verse 9. Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? And David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out to the field. So they went out there together. Now they're going to come up with a plan, how it's going to work, you know. Jonathan said, well, I'll text you as soon as I'm through. You can see what's happening on here. Make sure, make sure you have signal out here in the field. Ooh, there it is, ringing off, whatever. They're going to have to find a way to do this so that they're not in trouble. Verse 12. Then Jonathan said to David, by the Lord, the God of Israel, kind of adding some weight to it, I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? 
But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away safely. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. So the plan is that Jonathan says, I will definitely get the word to you, one way or the other. Because for sure, you're either going to be safe here or you're going to be safe when you leave. This, you're not going to die. But then there's a, an understanding, and we see this in verse 14, 15, and 16, that while Jonathan really knows, maybe for the first time it really hit him, he's not going to be king. See, he should have been king in the line. He, he's not going to be king. And David's definitely going to be king. So he's thinking past this time when his dad is gone, and here's King David on the throne. How is that going to work for his family? So watch what he does here. But show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. So Jonathan, again, knows that David one day will be king. He also knows that David's enemies were the people of his own family, and he wants to be assured that his children, his family, will be treated kindly by David. And David, by the way, in this covenant, we know he fulfills that covenant to Jonathan. Well, we may get to it. You won't remember it when we get to it, but I'll bring it back to you. Remember in Second Samuel chapter 9 and also uh, chapter 21, David does fulfill that promise that he's making right here. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to David, Now tomorrow is the new moon festival. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow toward evening, go to the place where you hid when the trouble began and wait by the stone of Ezel. Now just remember that stone of Ezel. I'll talk about it in a moment. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on the side of you, bring them here, then come, Because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, in other words, past you, then, David, when you hear this, you must go because the Lord, I'll come back to that, the Lord has sent you away. And about this matter you and I discussed, remember the Lord is witness between you and me forever. Now remember the covenant we made, to remember it, be kind to us, don't, don't kill our family. So there's the plans, very easy to see what it's going to be. Jonathan would come to the field, he'll shoot some arrows, and where they fall, how they fall, is the determination of whether David's safe to come back to the court, or he's going to have to run for his life. Verse 24, so David hid in the field. And when the new moon festival came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan and Abner and sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. And Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonial, uh, ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. Now remember, David is a, is a soldier. 
And if you touched a dead body and things like that, that made you unclean till the night and so forth. So he's just assuming that he's ceremonially unclean and he can't come to the festival of the new moon. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. And Saul said to his son, Jonathan, notice who he turns to. He knows what's going on. Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Now, notice something in that verse. King Saul doesn't call him David. He doesn't like David. He can't stand David. He won't even mention his name at this point. He says, that son, you know, you know that son, that, that son there of, of, of Jesse? And Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. I just wrote a little thing in my note there, lie. You know, it's one thing to lie. It's something else to ask somebody else to lie for you. That's amazing. And he said, let me go. Look at the story he's come up with. Let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town. My brother has ordered me to go there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Lie, 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 lie. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. (laughs) That's PG-13. If I said it like it really was, I'd be out of the pulpit for the moment. You, you know what he's saying. And notice who he's blaming. It's in that kind of environment. He's blaming the, the, the mother that brought him into the world. Of course, did Saul have any part of that? Hello. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, notice, no David, and neither you nor your kingdom will be established. So what is the father thinking? He's saying, look, the way this is supposed to work is the king that's in place, his family is supposed to keep that throne. Your next Jonathan, and then your son, and it goes on and on. Because of this son of Jesse, this is stopping. So it's a pride issue as well as an anger issue. As long as the son of Jesse lives, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. That's pretty plain. Look at Jonathan's response. Well, wait, why should he be put to death? Well, he just told him. What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Look how far anger and jealousy can take a person. Ever been there? Ever been angry and it was ugly and then you caught yourself? It's ugly, isn't it? We've all lost it. This is dangerous. You know, when you read a lot of the newspaper articles about people getting killed and carved things and rage and whatever, it's all this. See, anger usually comes from unforgiven sin. His heart is filled with unforgiven sin. That's the anger issues. And 
because of this and the jealousy, Saul is into power and position. He totally loses it. And not only is he going to try to kill David, he's going to kill his own son. Just understand, it makes you crazy. It makes you not even think anywhere near right. And when we read these things in the paper, we go, what is wrong with that person? Well, it's the enemy. He takes our mind. And anger will do that. So Jonathan got up from the table. Look what he gets up with. Fierce anger. On the second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. Now, in the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him. And he said to the boy, now run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out to him, probably in a loud voice, because the, the boy obviously doesn't know that that David is hiding there somewhere around. Jonathan called out after him, isn't the arrow beyond you? So what do we see here? I was thinking about this a lot as I finished the study. See, there's some things God will do, and there's some things that God requires us to do. Now, one of the things that God required David and Jonathan to do was to come up with their plan He wouldn't have ever required them to make a lie. His plan would have been way better. I wish I could see what it was. We're not told what it is. But he's even graceful here. Because what you're going to see is Jonathan is going to have to shoot the arrows. But God's going to guide the arrows. Just like, remember, just like when David killed Goliath, God directed the stone. Well, God directs the arrows even through through the skill of Jonathan. And as it goes, it's God saying, here's what you need to do. This is the will of God. You need to leave. You can't go back. This is going to be your exodus. You're going to have to move away from King Saul. And for the next 10, 12 years, he's going to be running from King Saul. In these stories, we just read them and, and we don't let our mind stop and begin to think. Well, I wrote some things down, and you could use this in your devotion tomorrow. If you're David in the field, and you're waiting for Jonathan to come from the house, and you see the arrow, and you hear Jonathan go, it's beyond you, what comes into your mind at that point if you're David? You see, I like to think that. As he watches that go, I'm thinking David's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, it's over. I'm going to be on my own. Saul is after me. Maybe he's thinking, God, what are you doing? I, I, I don't like this king deal. I was way better off when I was in the shepherd. So all kinds of things begin going to his mind. I don't know what went through his mind, but for sure, if you put yourself there... There's many things. Will I ever see Jonathan again? Maybe not. Maybe I have to go right now. Will there be a chance for me to say goodbye to Jonathan? How's this all going to work? Where's my wife in all of this situation? Today, Pastor Mark taught about David's flight from the royal court, Saul, and his interrogation of Jonathan. You were reminded that even for what you might consider a giant of faith, life sometimes didn't go well at all. What is critical is that you stay close to God 
The further David got from God, the worse his decisions were, and they affected lots of people badly. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching on the life of David. You will hear more about David's relationship with Jonathan and Jonathan's trust in God, both for his own life as well as his friend David's. Jonathan's devotion to his friend, even when facing his own possible demise by his father, is admirable and is an example to be followed by everyone. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series called The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.